0: I want to unmute my microphone first. I want to greet you in Jesus' name this morning. I hope you found him as I have, a gentle shepherd who is leading you and wants to lead you, desires to lead you. I'm grateful that you're here this morning and I'm grateful that I can be here this morning. I would ask your prayers. I would always ask your prayers. But I would ask your prayers this morning especially, I'm fighting some congestion, so my nose is running a bit, and as you guys know about me, probably, I tend to get emotional sometimes, and it makes the nose run even more, so I'll do my best not to be a blubbering mess up here this morning. I do think it's going to be one of those mornings, though. Maybe but the best way for me to introduce my message to you this morning is to just give you a glimpse into my my world or my thought process. Several weeks ago, I was um, laying out where I th- what I think was going to happen. I do these things. I actually list out in my calendar at home what my messages are going to be, and often it's fairly easy because I'm preaching through a book, but right now I'm, I'm, be- I'm between books. And so, as you know, or if you've been here at Riverview for any length of time, you know that uh, often on a first Sunday of the year, I tend to give a sort of a, uh, a theme of some kind, and I was, had every intention up until a couple of weeks ago, I had every intention of, of uh, not necessarily introducing a new theme for this year, but to reinforce the theme that God has had us on. I don't think God is changing that. I have had no sense from him that uh, we're to deviate in any way. If you were here this past year, you know that we were focusing on the great commission that Jesus gave us out of Matthew 28, 18 through 20, that uh, Jesus, all authority has been given to him, and he's asking us to go. And as we go, we hear about this next week a little bit more, I suppose, but as we go, as we go, we are to make disciples of all men. We are to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we're to teach them to obey all things that he's commanded us And we're supposed to remember that he's with us to the very end of the age. And we focused this past year on uh, sort of three things out of that that whole general thrust of discipleship, that we are to be disciples, first of all, that we are to make disciples, and we are to teach them to obey. And uh, I'm not getting any sense that we're to deviate from that. To be honest, I was planning this morning to uh, come up here and to come out of those exact verses I just uh, said to you off the cuff. I don't think I said them exactly word for word, but those verses. And just take a look back at this past year and to see uh, whether there's some things that we've grown in or whether there's some things that we've uh, realized that we need to grow in. I've made this comment to my uh, children the other day. I think it was just the other day. That this curious thing happens that the older I get, and the more that I know, the more that I uh, understand about things, the more I know that I don't know, and the more that I realize I have to learn yet, and in some respect, this past year has been a bit like that, right? Maybe it's not been that way for you, but it's been that way for me. I've been a pastor for, I don't know what it is, 2006, what is that, 16 years, going on 17 years? I've been in the ministry for that many years, and of course, discipleship has been a theme that I've talked about, and taught on, and done, and lived out, I hope, I think, in many ways, and yet this past year has made me realize that there's so many things I have to learn still about that. I think there's some things I've grown in, but there's some things I've realized I have so much to go in. Anyway, I was going to do a message like that, and uh, Joe and I, your associate pastor, I was going to look for him right here, but he's not here right now, so I'm hoping he's praying for me somewhere. Um... Uh, Maybe bailed on me. I don't. I don't think that. I think he's praying for me somewhere. We we get together uh, with some regularity. I hope you know that. And when we get together, uh, we talked, of course, but we also pray with each other every time we get together. And we were praying. And as you can imagine, we were at the end of a year, and uh, set by some just sort of natural uh, instinct, we were looking back through the year in in some way. And I don't. I want to be careful how I say this because I'm your pastor. And so when I say things like this, I don't want you to feel like I'm saying something negative about you. I'm, I just want to be real with you. I want to be honest with you. I want to be vulnerable with you. I think that's why I'm a bit of a mess this morning, because I know that God is asking me to be vulnerable with you. And this past year was a really difficult year of ministry for me. I've said this to a few people, and I want to be careful not to overstate things, but quite possibly the most difficult year of ministry I've had. A lot of disappointments, a lot of frustrations, a lot of scenarios where I can see that I'm, and my abilities and my powers and my intellect and my studying ability and my teaching ability and my shepherding heart and all those things that I know fall so far short, I just become really obvious that they fall even further short. I don't think I need you to, I don't need to tell you some of these things, but people that I count as my friend, that Heidi and I counted as our friends, were in our care group and watched their marriage disintegrate in front of us, and there was nothing I could do, and that was really hard, and it still is really hard. And knowing I did some things incorrect. That's hard. Coming to a place where a man that I've walked in ministry with for years, and we come to a place where that ministry doesn't go on. That's really hard. And I've said it up here, and I cried when I said it, and I'm gonna cry again this morning. It's still hard. But I want you to know that the reason I'm sharing the message I'm sharing this morning is because when Joe and I were together and praying, I still, I still had this strong, sincere, desire and knowledge and feeling and perspective that I was thanking God for the people that are here at Riverview, all of you. I was thanking God for the good things that are happening. I was telling God that I'm so thankful that there's people here that want to follow after him that love us and that support us and maybe don't always agree with us and still are our friends. And I felt, I sensed the still whisper of my gentle shepherd that said, you need to tell your people that. I understand that as much as this has been a difficult year for me, I'm sure that you guys feel some of those those things that are unsettled too, right? How can a marriage just disintegrate? I just mentioned two things, and those are two big things. And I'm not naive to the fact that there's a whole bunch more people sitting here that have had some very difficult things happen this year that I felt really helpless in changing or helping out with and made mistakes in and probably made some things worse. But I just sensed the Holy Spirit telling me that I need to let you know those things. And so at that moment after I talked with Joe, following that time of prayer, we prayed about it for a couple more days And we agreed that this morning, instead of preaching a normal message that I would preach, I should just share my heart with you all. And so I'm going to. Which is probably why I'm an emotional mess. Because I care about you. And I want you to know that I care about you. And I want you to know that even though there's things that don't go the way I want them to go, and even though I know that I make mistakes, and I'm guessing there's some of you here that are frustrated with me. I still care about you. And I want you to walk faithfully before Jesus. And I want you to end up before his throne someday hearing the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And I want those words said about me. I'm so thankful that God wrote this incredible right here and this morning my heart my message for you actually comes out of the pages of scripture if you have your bible please open them to philippians chapter 1 i marvel at how god does things i marvel at when i got done thinking what i'd like to say to you i opened my bible and i read them right out of the bible those very same thoughts so i thought what better thing than to just read to you paul's words and help you see these are my heart this is my heart for you Paul wrote these words to the Philippians, chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Would you follow along, please? I thank my God. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all. It is right for me to feel this way about you all. I'll read that correctly. Because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense. I'm sorry, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. May you plant them deep. May your presence mean so much more than even my words. May what you have to say about this group of local fellowship believers of Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, may what you have to say to them and what you uh, think about them and what you have, the the, the things you want them to know, may, may that carry even far more significance than even my own heart for them this morning. Thank you. You alone can do this kind of work, God, and I want you to do it this morning among us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm just gonna jump in. There's two, really kind of two ways I wanna split this apart. They come right out of the text and they match what I wanna say for you. The first is I wanna share my heart towards you. It's the, my heart of how I feel about you, my heart towards you. I, I wish, I really wish that every single person that counts Riverview, their home, would be here this morning so you could hear these, these words. Four times in these verses, Paul uses the phrase, you all. He uses that word so that it, they know it's encompassing. It's to every one of you. It's not to a select few. I understand our church has grown. It's not that big this morning, but our church has grown. And so I'm not able to have the kinds of relationships that I used to have with just about everyone in the church. That's, that's hard for me sometimes to know that there's people that uh, I haven't talked to in weeks And they come to church here, and I'm their pastor. That bugs me. Part of it's just the nature of how it works, right? The church grows, and it's impossible. It's one of the things that God is dealing with me inside of me is is to know, is to help separate, like, me from what God is doing among you. God is capable. I have no doubt about that. And God has brought you all here to be the church with each other. I thank my God those verses up there I thank my God this is my heart towards you I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now I don't think this will take very long but real quickly as I walk through that I want to highlight just a few words that I want to emphasize to you this morning as, uh, as I bring this, this message to you, my heart towards you. First of all, I want you to know that I do thank God for you. I already said it, but I do thank God for you. I do it all the time. Joe can vouch for that if you want to ask him about that. And even other times, I'm so grateful for the people that God has brought here to this local body called Riverview. I'm amazed I'm amazed many times at the variety and at the sincere heartedness and at the variety of giftings that God has brought. You know, sometimes it's easy to get frustrated because, let's just be honest about things. I told you I'm going to be vulnerable with you. Sometimes it's frustrating because I have, one of you comes from one corner and says, here's something that is concerning to me and it needs to be worked on. And it's probably true. And then if somebody comes from this corner and says, here's something that needs to be worked on because it's bugging me and it's not how it should be. And it's probably true. And those two things aren't the same thing at all. In fact, they may be something completely unrelated, and at times that causes the feelings inside of here to go, oh, what am I supposed to do? I can't keep them happy. I can't keep them happy, and I want you to know that's not how I operate my life. I try not to in keeping you all happy, but I also want to be honest with you. It's probably one of my biggest weaknesses. I don't like when people aren't happy with me. But God stops me short when he helps me to see that that is a really good thing for a local body of believers to have different people with different giftings seeing different things that are not correct coming from this perspective and moving this way and coming from this perspective and moving this way because it holds us on, I think, the path that God wants us to be on. So don't stop. Don't stop letting God work through you to help us to see as a body... Where we, can, where we are drifting or where we're not correct or where, we, where things could be uh, uh, improved upon or encouraging those things you see. There should be plenty of that as well. I thank God for you. I'm so grateful. There are so many of you that are committed, sincere followers of Jesus Christ. I have no doubt about it. It's my joy and privilege to stand in front of you week after week and to teach you from the word of God. I thank my God and I do it with joy. I just used that word, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna highlight it. I, there's a joy there. Oh, sure, there's difficulties, there's frustrations, there's stressors, but there's joy too. You know, under pressure, God works out things that are good, right? Polishing doesn't happen without pressure. Ever try to make a piece of wood smooth without using pressure? It's not gonna happen. In fact, it takes some grit, doesn't it? It takes some, 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 well, we call it sanding, right? It takes some sanding that down to make it smooth. But I want you to know there's joy for me. I was reflecting on this statement because I, I realized that for many, 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 many years in my ministry, without a shadow of a doubt, I, I mean, you could have, you could have offered me about anything in the world and I would have said I love what I do, and it's not a, there's not a chance of even considering it. There have been a few moments in the last couple of years where I've thought, this is hard. I realized as I was spending time with the Lord that with just this, this week around that, that a lot of that actually comes from stuff that I don't like about myself, places I realize that I'm not, I'm not where God wants me to be. And I think it's, I don't know if that, I wrestle with things like that, because I don't know if that's helpful to you or not helpful to you. I don't know if that decreases your confidence in me or doesn't, but I need you to know that I don't have everything together. And there are plenty of times when God points things out in my life and I think, how can I lead a congregation of people to follow after Jesus when I'm not sure that I'm getting it right very much. I think there's a larger lesson inside of here for me and maybe for you this morning that this is what God does. These are the reasons I said these words to you yesterday, Joe and Rachel, as we put this tiny box in the ground that almost takes your breath away to think about how tiny it was and how this could be. There's a lesson there that somehow in the middle of hard, difficult things that this is only what God, this is what only God can do, that there's joy and there can be joy inside of that as you see God and you sense his nearness and his, his, his undergirding grace and you see that there's, there's no way that I'm going to make it through, there's no way I'm going to navigate this situation correctly apart from him. And there's something that's life-giving about that. It's actually the exact opposite of what we think as humans, right? It's the exact opposite of what we think. We think that we're going to be the most satisfied and happy when we have everything under our control and we're confident that we can do this. And somehow in God's way of doing things, it doesn't work out that way. It works out that when we are, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise to us because it's exactly what, God, what Jesus said to Paul, right? It works out that when we are weak, that's when he's strong. When we're hurting, somehow there can be peace inside of there. When there's hardship, somehow there can be joy in that. It is my joy to be your pastor, and I want you to know that. And one of the biggest reasons that I always come back to is this. I think from the get-go, you, hopefully you know this about me, but I get, a, I get an incredible opportunity to speak in a lot of different scenarios and situations I've, I've taught in a lot of other churches. Most of them have been in our conference, but in a few other engagements as well. I've talked to a lot of pastors. Even if I don't speak in their churches, I talk to a lot of pastors. It's one of my favorite things to do is to, is to find out from them what's going on and, and hear stories. From. And I want to be careful when I say this. But I've been reminded over and over and over again, and today is no different than it's been for the past 16 years. I've been reminded what a precious gift God has given the leadership team here, in a body of people that sincerely want to follow Jesus and are, are, are pressing in and saying, "I want the gospel to be furthered." I don't want to waste my time in a whole bunch of other things that could drive a church into smithereens or that could, could split a church park that. I, uh, I, that have a sincere desire to live faithfully to what God has taught. It's allowed me to week after week come here and take a really long time to work through books in the Bible and we make jokes about it all the time. But you know what? You're here week after week and you're listening. I can tell you, I have gotten multiple comments from people that have spoken here in this church and have said, preaching in your church is completely different than preaching in my own church because everyone is watching me and everyone is engaged and they're looking at me and I can tell that they want to hear what I have to say and they want to know what the Bible has to say and they want to learn about that and they want to know how to follow Jesus better. I literally, I, multiple times I've had that feedback and I want to say that to you as a commendation to you this morning, church. That's a good thing. It's something I take for granted because you do it every week until I go speak somewhere else. And the eyes are everywhere else and they're falling asleep and they're drifting off. and I, I don't So thank you. I thank my God and pray for you, and there's joy in ministry because I can tell that you are partners in the gospel with me. And I appreciate that so much. It means everything to me. Paul says it's right for me to feel this way because I hold you in my heart. It's right for me to feel this way, not just because I hold you in my heart, but because you are partakers you are soon koinonia's, you are, you are fellowshippers together with me in the grace of Jesus Christ. You know, this goes beyond just being in some kind of group and we're all in this together kind of thing where we're like, uh, you know, the, the, the sayings we have out there, I want you to know this. There's the sayings we have out there like it takes a village or we're, we're all part of each other or we have some common, some common mission that ties us together. Those things are all true. But I want you to know it's different. It's not just that you're on, like, it's not because you're on my side or that, that, we're, that we're somehow come up with the same idea that we're moving forward to is what makes this. It's because we are partakers in the grace of Jesus Christ together. That's what makes it different. That's what is true Christian fellowship. It's true, by the way, anywhere you go around the world, not just here in this building. We are partakers together in grace and he picks two things here. He says, now I'm not literally imprisoned, but in, he says in my imprisonment for Paul, and in the, de- the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Again, it goes back to that, that, that partnership in the gospel. But I could tell you, I don't want to cast it in negative light, but I could tell you that we are imprisoned if we are following Jesus, we are bound to him. We are his bond servant. We are enslaved to Jesus, We react against those words, but I'm telling you those are words that are used in scripture. We're enslaved to Jesus Christ and it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I believe you are enslaved to Jesus with me according to the grace of God and that you are working alongside of me defending and confirming the gospel. For God is my witness. Again, the words that Paul wrote and I can just take them right on the page. God is my witness how I yearn for all of you, for you all, with the affection of Christ Jesus. Deep down, that's what that word means, the innards, deep down from the bowels. Sadly, that word's become an off-color kind of thing for us when it's spoken of in Scripture as a positive thing. Do you know out of the bowels of God's compassion, he sent Jesus? You read Luke chapter one, that's what it says. Out of the bowels of God's compassion for us, he sent Jesus into the dark world so that the light would shine, that the morning sun would come. Paul says, I have that kind of affection for you all. What kind of affection did Jesus have? Ponder that for a moment or for a week or maybe for this next month I could obviously just make the time frame longer right what kind of affection does Christ Jesus have for you and what does it mean to say I want to have that affection for me to say this is a, to say I have that affection for you but for you to also then realize as we're going to get to in just a bit this is the kind of affection I have for each other this is how we are to feel about each other this is the willingness we are to have to give of ourselves for each other. I love Chris's prayer. It began in the, in the family and then to realize that we together are a family of families, are we not? That we care about each other. Let me now turn the page and turn not about my, not just share my heart towards you, but my heart for you. This is the second half of this text here. Paul says, I pray for you. This is my prayer. My prayer is that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Once again, I'm just gonna walk through and highlight a couple of things. He says, I'm praying that your love may abound more and more. A couple of comments. First of all, he's gone through and he wants to communicate to them how, how, passionate, he is, how passionate he is for them. I don't know how well I'm doing this morning. That's what I, my heart was for you. is to let you know I care about you. I love you. I'm for you. And then to say, I want that kind of passion to abound more and more. Note, please, he says, if he says abounding more and more, it means he's indicating it's there already. It doesn't matter he wants it to start he wants it to abound. He wants it to grow what was already there. And I can tell you, you heard a bit of it just this morning in sharing time. I can tell you, I've heard that countless times to the glory of God. I can brag on this church to, as people within the church come to me and say, it is amazing sometimes how well I'm loved when I'm going through something difficult. I again say that fully realizing that not everyone feels that way, that we don't nail it every time, right? I'm not lifting you on a pedestal and saying you guys have arrived. I'm letting you know I believe the love of God and the affection of Christ Jesus is here, but my prayer continually is that it will abound more and more. We have not arrived yet. Certainly there are ways you can love each other more than you have. May it overflow. May there be Passion and zeal to represent Jesus to the people you go to church with. That's my heart for you. It's my heart for all of us. Myself included. I love that he follows that up because he says, as I'm trying to move you to this passionate, this this affection, this zeal for the Lord, I want it not to be done without knowledge and without discernment. It's not like we're just going to become this Mushy-gushy, like, oh, but we love each other. We do it with knowledge and discernment. My prayer for you is that you would know these words. And more importantly, you would know the author of these words. This is a theme Paul develops in this letter, by the way. Actually, most of his prayer here, you you can find traces of him developing it in chapters 2, 3, and 4 of the letter to the Philippians. This prayer that he opens up here. That you would know Christ and him crucified. That's what he would write in the next coming pages here. That's my prayer for you. That you would know that, that you would have discernment. Again, I ask you, what kind of affection did Jesus have? How did Jesus love? How did Jesus interact with people? And help that inform how we do. Because I'm not just saying, you know, sometimes when we say things like that, we, 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 we assume we're talking, well, Jesus loved everybody and, and it has become this sort of like hippie gospel with Jesus just loving everyone and accepting him, it's all cool, right? But that's not how Jesus, that's not the affection Jesus had for people, was it? Did Jesus love people? Absolutely he did. So I ask you again to continue to contemplate the affection that Jesus Christ had, the love that Jesus Christ had. He did so with knowledge and discernment, I would tell you. It came out of in some kind of action that when we know these words and when we know the author of these words and when we have discernment, it helps us decide how we are to interact with people. If we're to make disciples of people, that means when we come in contact with people who are not already disciples, we are automatically positioning ourselves when we have discernment. We're automatically positioning ourselves to take, make every, uh, take advantage of every opportunity we have knowing that the days are evil, right? That we are to season our conversation with salt, with grace, that we are to make an effort, every opportunity we have to bring people into the kingdom if they're not already there. But through discernment recognize if they are there, our role is to have fellowship with them with the goal of helping them to become more obedient to Jesus Christ. It, it, it requires some discernment, right? What is my default position? Is this my brother or sister that I'm encouraging? Now, maybe the end result isn't any different. Is it my brother or sister that I'm encouraging in the Lord that I see myself in fellowship with and my goal is to help as they are gonna help me that we're gonna help each other to grow and become more obedient to Jesus? Or am I recognizing that my default position is this is not a brother or sister. I don't actually have fellowship with them. I want them to come into the kingdom of Christ. And that's how I'm gonna speak to them. That's how I'm gonna try to slide the gospel into my conversation or whatever that may look like so that we may approve what is excellent. This word caught my eye. And again, he returns to this in chapter four. He says, among those things that we should think about, right, whatever is pure, noble, worthy, admirable, he says, if anything is excellent, think of those things. I was struck by this word because I realized that in our hectic, day-to-day, busy, job-filled, school-filled, family-filled, daily routine filled, all kinds of things that we have to do. There's all kinds of things we're busy with, right? So maybe we should say that there are, of course, some bad things that we could be doing. We shouldn't, by the way, but there are some bad things we could be doing. There are some good things that we could be doing. But here, Paul's prayer is that your love may abound more and more, that you may have knowledge and discernment. And part of that discernment is to decide, what is How to separate what is the good I could be doing and what is excellent. What is what God is calling out of? You know, I would say God does things excellently. So I think there's times when we actually can waste a lot of our time doing good things and have forgotten that we are to do excellent things. Now, that's not what the message is about. But it's my heart for us is that we would grow in our love, that our knowledge and discernment would grow, and that we would approve of what is excellent. That the bar would be high. Over and over again as we went through Ephesians, this is the most recent book we preached through, I used that phrase. And it was dragging me across the carpet. I want you to know that. But it hasn't changed. Here it is again. We're to approve what is excellent, right? Excellent means the bar is high. We're not, just, we're not just so-so in our pursuit of Christ. We're not just, well, I'll do some things right and some things wrong. Well, I'll, once I've done a few good things or once I've, once I've maintained some certain mediocre level or barely passable level, that we're good, right? We are looking to approve what is excellent. And the reason that's true is because of these two words as I continue my heart for you. And I really want to say this to you, because it is my heart for you. Again, there's times when I say these kind of words where I wish I could, like, look around the room and take time to look at every single set of eyes that's looking back at me, and even those that aren't looking back at me, but every single set of eyes. My heart for you is that you would arrive pure and blameless the day of Christ, We can't do this, right? You know we can't do this. I can't do this. We can't, we can't say, if there's one thing I could pick and I get the one thing I want. But I want you to know this is the one thing I would pick. I want us to arrive at this day of Christ, pure and blameless. And I want you to know that that's connected to this next one because we are filled with the fruit of righteousness, but where does that come from? Where does pure and blameless come from? Not for me not from you either, not from doing the right things, not from your church attendance record, not from your giving, not from your pedigree, only through Jesus Christ, only in Jesus Christ, only covered by Jesus Christ, only hidden in Jesus Christ, only clothed with Jesus Christ, only old man dead, new man living. As Jesus works as you partake in his grace only in that scenario that the fruit of righteousness I highlighted this phrase for a second reason because the last thing I want is for any of this to be taken in some kind of theoretical kind of realm some kind of like oh I want our love to abound more and more I want us to know more about God and to be able to discern right and wrong and it doesn't work its way out of anything in the tangible realm the fruit of righteousness comes when we abide in the vine And then the fruit will be seen. And fruit should be seen. My prayer for you is that fruit of righteousness is seen in your life, in your marriages, in your children, in your families, in your groups that you gather together with, in this church, the whole fellowship, that the fruit of righteousness may be put on display through Jesus Christ. All, of course, leading to this very last thing, right? You know this is where we have to end up. It strikes me that in some weird way, the only way we end up here is if we begin here. This is my heart for you. this is my heart for myself, but it 's my heart for you, is that you'd be willing to trade your desires, your pursuits, your goals what you want out of life for this, for the glory and praise of God. None of the things I just talked about that are my hardest for you are gonna happen if you don't do this. I can can just tell you up front, it's not going to happen. If you don't decide that I want to trade away my dreams for God's glory, that I wanna trade away my pursuits, my accomplishments, what I'm after, what I wanna have done in my life, if I'm not willing to trade that away for God's glory and to the praise of God, then my love won't abound more and more. Then I won't grow in knowledge and discernment. Then I won't approve what is excellent. I'll approve of what I want, right? I'll approve of what my flesh wants, of what I think is the right pursuit. I won't approve of what is excellent. I certainly won't be pure and blameless at the day of Christ. If anything, though I said this is not that kind of message, if anything as I share my heart for you this morning would be for you to either make the decision or to reaffirm the decision, however the case may be, either make the decision or reaffirm the decision that you want to lay down what you want out of this life and trade it for God's glory and God's praise. And out of that, the rest of it to flow. I have to make the same decision. Here's what I can tell you from the bottom of my toes to the top of my head. You notice there's one verse that I skipped. There's one verse I haven't highlighted out of the entire text. But I wanna save this verse for last because it's where I stand with you today. My heart towards you, my heart for you. It's also where I stand on if you will make that trade. If you're willing to say, not my will, but yours, God. If you're willing to do that, then I am sure of this. I am sure that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's not based on my words. That's not based on my clever preaching. That's not based on anything that's going to happen here. That's based on the Holy Spirit of God doing his work. On the down payment that God gave to you when you confessed your faith in Jesus Christ that will keep you until that day as long as you remain in the teachings of Christ, as long as you remain true to your faith, as long as you hide yourself in him, as long as you continue to trade your goals for his glory. I'm convinced of this. I'm sure of this. I stand on it. It's, it is the line I want to draw in the sand and say, I'll die on this hill. And I see it in you. I want you to again hear it. I see it in you all. I see the work that God has begun and continues to do in you, and I'm sure, I'm convinced of this, that God will finish that work. That's why I can say it's my joy. It's my joy to be your pastor. God, thank you so much for this body of believers. I thank you even for the ones that are not here today. Again, it was mentioned we're missing a number of of our brothers and sisters in Christ for whatever reasons I pray your special blessing, your presence with them even just right now that there might uh, just be a sense of togetherness I pray that you would bind us together in your grace that your grace would uh, be effective and active among us, not just to bring salvation to us but to teach us, to discipline us, to live godly upright lives to say no to uh, sensuality and to ungodliness but to live godly upright lives in this present age and while we wait for you to return Jesus I pray that you would in and among us God through your Holy Spirit working that you would grow and, and, and make your, the, the love of Christ himself abound more and more in us with knowledge and all discernment so that we might approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless at the day of Christ That we might give evidence of the fruit of righteousness in this body, these people that I love that you have brought here to this place for this time. That there might be fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ all to the glory and praise of you, God, for you are the one who does these things. Thank you, God, that your Holy Spirit is able to strengthen my feeble words. Thank you that we can count on you. I thank you that you are able that I'm convinced that you are able to keep that which we've committed to you until that day. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.